Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Welcome to Make It Clear. I'm so glad that you could be with us. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida, and the Bible teacher on Make It Clear. You know that Make It Clear has been designed with you in mind, the listener, to help you really learn the Bible. And that's why we teach the Word of God book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but in a life application way so you know the Word to live the Word. But from time to time, we break from that normal way we do our radio program so that I could bring to you people who have impacted my life and the lives of many, many others. And it is my prayer, my desire that, again, today's interview will have a real impact upon your life. I am so excited to have with you today, not just a great man of God, but a man of God who has impacted my life in many ways, both personally as well as in ministry, as a pastor and a Christian leader. And I want you to know that this man of God, that he's going to be sharing his testimony and our topic today, will really have an impact on your life as well. It is my prayer that that will happen. Our guest today is Dr. James Cook. Now, when you hear that name, James Cook, it might bring to you the memory of Captain James Cook when you studied history, world history, particularly of the Great Explorer, primarily exploring the Pacific and all that area. Well, he also has in a legacy, Dr. James Cook. And that's right. He comes from the legacy of Captain Cook. The only difference is, is while one discovered the lands to meet people and to bring that knowledge back to others, Dr. James Cook has gone to those same areas and beyond, also like a discoverer or an explorer, but by far more than that, an evangelizer. Because deep in his chest is a heart that beats for people to come to faith alone in Jesus Christ. Well, James Cook has served in many areas, but primarily we would refer to him now as a missionary statesman. Yes, an author. Yes, a radio personality. Yes, a pastor. But even more than that, a missionary statesman. He's been in Sri Lanka. He has been in India. He has been in the Philippines. He's planted a church that is in existence today that has had profound effect on our own state of Hawaii. And so again, he is with us today, and I want you to have the opportunity to meet him. Our main topic today, though, is on the topic of how do missions function during a time of crisis? Now, when you hear crisis, you think of our virus crisis that's going on. No matter when you're listening to this program, we're still living the result of that crisis. So how do Christians or how do missionaries still function in any crisis? And my When you hear the testimony of Dr. Cook, you're going to find that he has lived through the crisis of war, war in country, war as he had to head away from a country to flee with his family for his life, as well as other crises in his life like loss of family members. And yet he stood strong and lasts long because of the grace of God. So again, you're going to hear a man just like you and me, but who decided to let the Lord not only be his forever savior by faith alone in him, but then to go on to have Jesus Christ be the Lord of his life. Now, many of you know that in the English uh, naval system, they call it, you know, Her Majesty's Service, HMS. Well, he has written a book that's an autobiography, but really a biography about the Lord and what the Lord's done in his life. That book is called Under His Majesty's Command. And I like that, and it is a great book, and we're going to be telling you more about it and how you can get a copy of it. And I urge all of you to get a copy of that book, and we'll tell you how to do that in a moment. Well, let's welcome to our program today Dr. James Cook. Welcome to Make It Clear. 
Well, thank you so much, Pastor Stan, and it's what a joy to be able to be with you and to recognize the incredible things that you've seen the Lord do through your lives and through the lives of your ministry. And we thank God for that, and it's an honor to be able to be with you. And my prayer is that our life reflection might reveal the fact that Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And I've stated his to choose and mine to walk. I really enjoy that. I had the privilege of meeting Dr. Cook when I accepted the call to pastor International Baptist Church, now called International Church on Oahu in Honolulu. And as soon as I met this man, I realized that God really has had his hand on his life for a long time. Now, you grew up in a missionary family in India many years ago. So tell us how that happened that began to plant that seed within you to really want to get the message of the gospel to the world. Well, it's very interesting because my mom and dad, Dr. William Cook, went to India and I was six months old when they went. And so I first 13 years of my life, I was in India and I learned six other languages and finally learned how to speak English when I was six. But it was quite a different time. But we went to the northeast part of India in Assam, in a place called North Lakhimpur, and it's in the jungle. And I was raised with tigers and Mm. leopards. In fact, I even had a pet tiger in my life. And so that was interesting. But as I watched my father, as the message of Christ went into those absolutely primitive areas, and people by the thousands Mm. came to know Christ as Savior. To give you a fast forward, I was invited back for their big 50 years of celebration, and I was there, and there were 16 different tribes, and hundreds of thousands of Christians now, and there were 13,000 representatives that I had the privilege of ministering Mm. to there. But it was interesting to walk through villages that as a boy were headhunting villages. Mm. And now when I went back, these villages have huge churches, like five to 10,000 people in them, bamboo churches. And the one place I will never, never forget was up in the headhunting area, which, of course, is not anymore, of course. But there was a fellow by the name of Namture and Jikamang, the two of them, and they were headhunters. And my father was preaching across the river, and these headhunters were on the other side listening. And finally, these two came over and said, we would like to know more about this Jesus. My father had the privilege of leading them to Christ. These guys had two huge scars across their chest because they'd each taken two heads, but they came to Bible college, couldn't read, couldn't write, but here they were. And my father taught them how to read and write, and they would at night in the dormitory, they would be studying how to read and the Bible and so on. They then said, we have to go back to our people. And so they went up to this area, headhunting area, and when they got to this place, all of a sudden they heard the headhunting warriors started coming out of the village. And so Nantare and Jikamon got on their knees and were praying. And he said, I didn't know what would be for us, whether we would be, our heads would be taken or what. He said, all of a sudden, these people said, they're praying to their God. We can't kill them now. Mm. 
And so then they asked him, what are you doing? And they got up and told the story of how they had come and accepted Christ. And finally, the chief warrior said, well, if you have this kind of good news, why don't you come and tell it to the village? And so that's where they went. And they started ministry. Fast forward to a number of years ago, I was back in that area. And there was a huge bamboo chapel that seated probably 6,000. And I was introduced by Jikamong, excuse me, Namtare, because Jikamong had been killed, but Namtare, an old man, and he then introduced me, and I had the privilege of ministering to that whole area. God had touched that whole area for Christ. I hear that wonderful story. And sometimes when you think of story, you think it's kind of made up, but it's not. This is a real event that really occurred. A few years ago, I was teaching at a Bible college seminary in Myanmar. And as I was teaching the students, there was a break and there was another faculty member that was teaching in the classroom. So we kibitz back and forth. And he told me that he was from Nagaland. And in talking to him, I asked him, where did you get all the basis for you to even want to come here and do all of this? He said, long time ago, there was a man by the name of Cook, which would have been your dad, that yep. influenced him through the people he was at that was trained then, and now he's in Myanmar. So the, the legacy of Captain Cook has shifted from discovering other people, people groups, to now people like you and your dad and your son, John, whom we have interviewed here on our program before, reaching the globe for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm, I'm hearing from what you're saying that your passion for evangelism had its seed in hearing your dad's teaching and then him modeling this by a life that God used that to cause you to want to share that message. So from then, what happened? Well, it started out when I would go with my father and he would be preaching in a bizarre village area. And I used to go with my sister mm-hmm. and I'd get the kids and I would preach in ah. this little section. So that was the beginning of what I had the privilege of doing. But the incredible thing is that God laid on my heart, and it was in a time of famine in Calcutta. And I will never, ever forget, we'd gone there because of dental work, and we walked out in the morning, and all of a sudden, I saw dead people all over Mm. the street. And I will never forget, my father put his arm around me and got on his knee, and he said, I want you never to forget this sight, that this is an area when they've made decision and they're in eternity, Jim, and you would need to remember that God has touched you so you can touch them. That was my first mission call, and Mm -hmm. that was right there with my father when I was just about eight years old, Mm -hmm. and I prayed that the Lord would take my life, and that was the beginning of a whole new vision for what I had ahead of me. So let's fast forward up through in even through college and move to the area. Okay, you're graduating from college, Northwestern, and now you're getting ready to do mission work. Where did you go? Where was your first major mission field? And briefly tell us, what did God do in your life and ministry there? Well, first of all, I was going back to India. And uh, <clears throat> we did everything we could to get into India and even went there. And I was told if I didn't leave India, because they would not grant my visa, that they would throw my father out of the country. So I realized mm-hmm. 
that I needed to... Better one of you go than both of you <laughs> That's go. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up being a missionary to the Philippines. And there, God just gave us incredible things. And the ministry is still in existence today. <laughs> so tell it's, us about that. That church started with 12 that had come to Christ as Savior. But the interesting thing is, two of those that came to Christ, Romeo, he was the one that led the Philippine forces to meet General MacArthur when oh, he came in. Okay. Then I got a chance to meet him and had the joy of seeing him come to Christ. Mm. And the other fellow that was involved in, he was the number one surgeon in all of the Philippines, mm-hmm. Dr. De Leon. His little daughter was Miss Philippines, mm-hmm. and we had the joy with my wife. She had the joy of leading her to Jesus Christ because my wife had a very special relationship with the Filipino people. And it was really amazing because he then came to know the Lord. And those two were two of the, we had another, had a senator, Mm -hmm. Estrada. Anyway, we had all of these men that were the heads of different departments in the Philippines. And so I had war heroes and they came and they became leaders in the Capital City Church, which we had the privilege of starting. And fast forward to just a few years ago when my son was there and he was speaking with them. And that church has established 16 other churches mm. from that church. Mm-hmm. And what they do, they, they are about a thousand people. And then when they get to 1,100, 1,200, they take 200 people mm-hmm. or 300 and hire a pastor and send them to an area. And they have planted 16 churches around the Philippines out of that church. And they're still running over a thousand. Now that's only one field. In a moment, folks, you're going to hear what the Lord's done as he moved from that part of the world to another part of the world and God doing nearly the same thing. Again, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Make It Clear. And my name is Stan Pons and I'm your host. But our guest today is Dr. James Cook, who is of the legacy of Captain Cook, that famous explorer. But the difference being while one discovered land, this person, Dr. Cook, is going there and reaching people for Christ and then helping them be established in a church for discipleship and growth and what God's done in his life. But I want you to know, later on, we're going to talk a little bit more about this wasn't all rainbows and butterflies. There was a lot of afflictions and loss, but never once did he ever sense that God left him because God didn't. So again, I want to thank you for being with us. Now, let's move from the Philippines to the next field that God called you to because of issues. So tell us about that. First of all, in the Philippines, my wife, Sylvia, became ill with the different amoebic type things. And eventually, anyway, it cost her her life. Mm. And she went to be with the Lord. And then the Lord opened the door to go to Sri Lanka. And one of Sylvia's best friends was a, a gal that worked at the headquarters. Her name was Shirley. Anyway, the Lord gave her as a mother to my two boys. Mm -hmm. And for the next 55 years, we ministered together. But we went to the incredible land of Sri Lanka. And the Lord allowed me to be involved with church planning, yes. And the Bible college, yes. Because everywhere we've gone, we've, we've planted a Bible college. And then, and seminary. And then... While I was in the Sri Lanka, I was asked if I would coach the 
University of Sri Lanka basketball team mm. because I had played around the world and everything. And it was amazing to see as I started coaching the University of Sri Lanka, we held three national championships, but the greatest thrill is that all but one of my university basketball players came to know Christ as Savior. And then, of course, we also took the international team and played in Pakistan. And uh, God gave us the opportunity of ministering to the people of India, the basketball players from India. Of course, I speak the language and Mm. so on. And then in Pakistan, it's related. And so we had the privilege of ministering to them. In, In fact, all of the people that were all the basketball teams that came from Iraq or all that area. We only got beat once, but we took took third place in Asia because of the way the tournament went. But God allowed all of my national team but one to come to know Christ. Then, of course, the Lord gave us some churches, the Bible college and seminary and churches still still going. We thank the Lord for that. Again, when God plants it, and it's planted on a biblical foundation, and the people not only are coming to faith, but they're growing in their faith, and leaders are being developed, spiritual servant leaders, they then can take that, and the ministry is sustained. And that ministry is still going on today oh, in yes. Sri Lanka. Yep, yep, it is. In fact, we've just got back from a big trip to Australia, and we met a whole bunch of people that had come to Christ when we were in the Philippines, that's 50 years ago. I mean, in Sri Lanka, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And here they were, and they're all believers. And we had over 300 that had come to Christ this 50 years beforehand that are now in Australia. And so that was another whole story. And now you're in Sri Lanka and um, you had to get out of the country. And you went to another field. In other words, you're like the Apostle Paul. As soon as you finished here, there was a need there. And then he took you to me. Everyone wants to stay where they're planted. I get that. But when you're following the Lord, it's a lifelong journey. So you, you, you left Sri Lanka. You went to another field. Tell us about that. We only have a few minutes left, but tell us about that. It was incredible to see what God did when he tore us out of the Philippines because of death, tore us out of Sri Lanka because of government takeover. And I was... I had some major problems with them. But then God took us to be in starting a church in Hawaii. Yes. And that was something I did not want to do. But I got there, went to sea, and I was absolutely floored. I met my national people, Philippines, Sri Lanka, and all of them that were in Hawaii. Yes. And the first six people I met were from nations I had served in in different parts of the world. Oh. And that we started, and God, of course, just blessed in an incredible way. We had ended up having five services every Sunday, and it was really amazing to see what God did. And we, we sent missionaries all over the world from that place. And, and course, military people military, came to faith in Christ. Amen. And the military then sent them with their faith and all of that to other parts of the world. Absolutely incredible. And of course, we started the college and the seminary. And the Lord just allowed that place to be a spreading of the gospel place all over the world. And we have them in many, many countries of the world came from that seminary. 
And if folks are traveling to Hawaii when they can, then I would encourage them to visit International Church right there on the Pali Highway in Honolulu. It's a great church, great people over there. So I hope you could get a chance to do that. But you didn't end your ministry there, did you? The Lord had another place for you to go and to to kind of rebirth a, a ministry. And so where was that? What did you do? First Baptist Church in San Jose, California. Which is now called? Church on the Hill? Church on the Hill. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a church that had had some major problems, but had been pastored by a dear friend of mine, and he'd done a great job, But it, and there was an incredible building that was built that seated between 3,500 and so on. But it went through some difficult times, and my dear friend who was pastor had some difficulty. But the Lord tore me out of Hawaii, and I did not want to go. But when I got there, I said, Lord, here it is. And I was not very happy with things that happened at first. Things were very difficult. But God, all of a sudden, started to move in that place, Mm. and people started to come to know the Lord. And and all of a sudden, we ended up having 16 different nationalities groups in that building. And uh, the whole balcony, which seated about 1,400, was full of different groups. And I had each of them had earphones and I had a translator. And it was something. God was good. You know, when I hear that, I think of one word that describes you and really your family. It's the word international. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ didn't just stay in one place. He was mm-hmm. global, going to all the world to preach the gospel. You are Mr. International with the message. And it wasn't like you chose to go there because of the exotic lands. Mm-hmm. It was because God was doing, and it usually was going from place to place due to crisis. Crisis. You know? And yet in every one of those, God moved you because you wanted to be used of the Lord. Since we only have a couple more moments, why don't you just give a challenge to our listeners right now about living in a time of crisis, but not letting the crisis take us, but we take charge of our life during the crisis for the glory of God. Talk to us about that. I have two verses of scripture that I'd like to leave with all of you. Mm -hmm. First of all, something that you can have confidence in. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it speaks concerning being confident of this very thing, he which hath begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I have absolutely said, Lord, this is what I want. And this is what God has promised. And then Philippians 1.20, this is my life verse expression. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, and I've asked the Lord to keep me from bringing shame to his name in any way, nothing that I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And in my Bible, I've read, I've written, his to choose and mine to walk. What a fascinating and inspiring program that we've had today. Again, you've been listening to Make It Clear, and my name is Stan Pons, and our host is the missionary statesman, Dr. James Cook. For you listeners that would like to have more with a lot of details and a lot more scripture and a real powerful inspirational truth, I encourage you to 
order a copy of Dr. Cook's book. It's called Under His Majesty's Command. We didn't even touch on the horrific loss that has happened in Dr. Cook's life with family members dying on the mission field, other little infants that are dying right in his own arms here that he's had. And I want you to know very much that this man has never lost his faith in the Lord. If you'd like to get a copy of the book, Under His Majesty's Command by Dr. James Cook, let me encourage you to write us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. And we will explain to you how you can get a copy of this book. Perhaps you'd like to communicate with Dr. Cook himself. Again, you can write us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. He will get your email and you can begin a communication with him about where he's been. Maybe you're listening and you're one of the folks that were ministered to many years ago and you've lost touch with him. This is a good place to go. Go to tellmemore at makeitclear.org. And then as a side note, I want to thank all of you listeners who come to our program, those of you who pray for us, but also those of you in a time like this who sacrificially and generously give to this program. We never ask for money. You know that things like this cost money. And so I want to thank those of you that know that and that you give. And if you're thinking, yeah, I haven't done that, and I'd like to help out, then just go to makeitclear.org and you can donate there at makeitclear.org securely, simply, and privately. And you know that your money will be used to bring glory to the Lord. So again, I want to thank Dr. Cook for being with us. Thank you so much. The joy to be with you and all of you that are listening. This dear man is a dear friend of mine, and he is one that took the church that I left, and we just thank God for the way in which he blessed that ministry. God bless you, and I thank you until God be the glory. Thank you, listeners. Until next time, this is Stan Pons with Make It Clear. Listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear. P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.